From Citizen Studios, this is The Mezzanine. I'm Cass Harrington. On today's show, we're going to meet Lara Lynn. She's a Nashville-based singer-songwriter, and she stopped by our studios here in Asheville while she was touring with the duo Penny and Sparrow. Lara has a new solo record coming out, the album called Something More Than Love Just Glimmers. Her songs draw from intimate self-reflection, but she brings up themes that are universally relatable, like self-acceptance and renewal. Lara talks very openly about those things during her visit, and she totally throws a curveball when she shares a surprise in the second half of our conversation. So plan on sticking around for that. We're gonna kick it off with a clip of a song called A Light Comes Through. She performed it for us here at Citizen Studios. If I saw you, I would say I'm okay, I made it through Another day, at least today And I'd say Let's get a drink, something strong Let's forget together what went wrong We'd laugh about those better days Before you turned But all this time has made it fade And now I don't care about All these holes that you made Cause the light comes through them now Sometimes the light comes That was beautiful. Thanks. So that was a song off your latest record, On My Own. And what I hear you saying in there is you are standing in your power in a way like how sometimes we say our battle scars, our our stripes are the things that we've earned and make us stronger. What brought you to that place? Oh my gosh. Well, (laughs) I'll, I'll work backwards. We can't, you can't change the past. You can only change how you relate to it and how you use it to your benefit. So that's where I had arrived when I wrote this song. And, you know, I, I was going through a pretty serious breakup at the time. I, f- I felt like I was coming out of the fog. I was with someone who was, you know, kind of manipulative and emotionally abusive. And... I learned through that breakup a lot about my past and my childhood and traumas that um, sort of helped me allow certain relationships to to happen. And and I definitely had, you know, been victim of a certain pattern. And it was through that breakup that I finally was able to see how my childhood experiences, it seems so ridiculous saying it, but my childhood experiences had affected my adult choices and that I didn't have to continue making those choices. It's not silly. You know, we are all doing this adult dance with a beginning that we didn't have the ability to give permission to. We were born into circumstances, some good, some bad, and now as adults we have the power to chip away and find out who we really are. Yeah. I went through um, the Adult Children of Alcoholics 12-step program when I was going through that same breakup, and I just learned so much about 
letting go of, of the things that informed your decision making, you know, the, the skills, for lack of a better word, that you gained in, in making decisions or didn't gain as a child and how we most of us continue carrying that with us into our adult lives and is often the case that um, those are to blame for our greatest miseries <laughs> and failures. Mm. So uh, I'm, it's obviously a work in progress, but that has been liberating for me. As is everything. I think we're all trying to move forward one way or another. Well, I want to dig into your past more as the conversation goes on. But first, thank you for coming on the program. I'm so excited. (laughs) You're here in Asheville on your tour, which is a big one for you because it's the first time you've been performing entirely solo on stage. That's right, yeah. How's it going? Um, I'm uncomfortable, which is a good thing, I think. I'm, I'm learning. Um, I, it's forcing me to, I guess, just have more confidence in my ability to hold a room completely by myself. Hmm. So that's a good thing. And that can only help moving forward with my band or without my band. What moments do you find like most discomfort when you're on stage and holding that space? Uh, trying to do the guitar solos. <laughs> when I'm playing rhythm guitar and can't can't drop that to, to address a guitar solo, it's kind of just awkward, from my uh, perspective, awkward space. But maybe it's okay for there to just be space. You know, maybe that's the lesson for me. Totally. I have always believed, I say always, but in my career that pauses, especially in conversation, allowing that discomfort to settle a little bit brings moments of truth or even like realization. And perhaps it's something that we're not comfortable with because culturally we are just bombarded with so much, yeah, fill the space, so much stimulation. Fill the silence. Yeah. So there's some realness. Um, So I want to Go back to that early childhood and when you first picked up a guitar. I understand you were born in Houston, lived in Shreveport, Louisiana for a little while, and then Georgia, correct? Yeah. What did you learn about yourself moving across the South in these different communities, different places, and how did that lead you to songwriting? What have I learned about myself through moving? Um... That's a really great question that no one has ever asked me before. Um, I guess I've learned to just be okay, more okay in my skin because like, well, that's not maybe the best phrase to use because I'm a white woman, but um, just being in different places and surrounded by different people and not necessarily having a a group of people that I can count on to be friends because my friends were often changing, my friend groups were moving around schools. It's a better, maybe a better sense of self. Better sense of self. And I, and I think hopefully, um, I've gotten better at relating to other people also because you have to be, Mm -hmm. um, when you're outside of your comfort zone and your friend circle. And I think that those are all things that I've poured into music also. Yeah. And remarkably, you know, speaking of a strong sense of self, I know that you were met with resistance from your father when you declared you wanted to be a musician or you wanted to pursue a creative career. Yeah. And despite that, you pursued it. Yeah. I've wanted to do music since I was a a very young child. My mom was like doing um, 
Car- not karaoke, but she would do, I guess, cover shows, those kind of tribute shows where they cover a certain artist and she would do like Patsy Cline or Heart. And she was always rehearsing for these shows when I was really, really young. And that was just super cool to me. And I also felt like that was just a normal part of life, you know, growing up around it. And as an only child, music became um, a, a major coping tool, if not the only coping tool for me dealing with some some family um, friction and emotional issues at home. So it just made total sense to me that I would, you know, do music, write songs and become a musician. But um, I guess my parents, you know, they really were looking out for my best interests, I think, in, in their way, you know, with their limited knowledge and experience of the music industry. You know, they, they discouraged me because they, they wanted me to go to school. They didn't have college educations, and they felt like that was the only way forward in a meaningful way, you know, especially financially. And to a large degree, they're right. You know, the music industry is very, very difficult. And if you don't have a good bit of money behind you, it's nearly impossible to have success. Um, but ultimately, it's a thing that I am most passionate about, and... I, I feel lucky that I had the confidence to make the decision to do it in spite of that. Now, I did also get a, a college degree, mm-hmm. and I pursued music as soon as I graduated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a, lot, there's a lot of what you just said that I'd like to unpack. And then I want to talk about college, because there's some goodness in there. Um, yes, I think... You know, I don't know that much about your family dynamic, but that resistance to pursue music sounds like it was, yeah, we want a better life for you. We want you to have that safety and, you know, stability. But the message that a child receives in that situation is like, you know, there's this part of me that I love that isn't being seen or recognized. Yeah. And that carries into adulthood. And I hear it showing up in that first song you just played us, like standing in your power and saying, this is who I am. And it also comes up in the song, Are You Listening? Mm -hmm. Could you play that for us? Oh, yeah. This one's going to be a bit louder. I'm good with that. Just heads up (laughs) in the control room. As a child, I would dream of the bottom of the sea. If I swam deep enough, there was air to breathe A world between worlds where anything could be They were hanging out, partying, fancy free Also, it's the souls and all the colors you could dream And no one ever spoke except to say to me Are you listening? Are you listening? Song that plays 
First of all, you you sing so sweetly. Your voice is incredible. Um, but I love the contrast, at least of how I feel that song when I hear it. Is it's like it's almost like you're grabbing someone's face and saying, "Are you listening? Do you hear me?" Yeah. And um, something you've said is the song is about how you're going to interpret the things that are happening around you. What in particular? Like, what in particular inspired this song? Yeah. Um, and I also want to inject for um, scene setting. There's some rain on our skylights right now, which kind of feels appropriate. <laughs> I'm in, like, a moody headspace. Yeah. I, when I was working on, the, on, on my own, which this song is from, um, I had just found out that... I was like postmenopausal, which is crazy because wow. I, um, you know, in my mid mid thirties, um, I had been having these hot flashes and having all of these symptoms of menopause. And I went to the doctor; she referred me to an endocrinologist. They ran all these blood panels, and uh, she called me into her office to sit me down and say, "I'm sorry to tell you this, but I don't think you can have children." Like it's not in the cards for you anymore. Like you have this postmenopausal hormonal profile, and that just that doesn't recover. That people just don't recover from that. And um, although I never really had like necessarily seen myself as becoming a mother, I hadn't planned not to become a mother. So it was still a door that was like a little open for you. Yeah. Yeah. It was a shock. It was shocking news, and. Did you have to it, grieve a little bit? I did. It it sort of um, made me question my value as a woman in some ways. Um, I think that 
I mean, obviously there are some biological factors, but also societally we're, we're taught that, you know, women are, are mothers, women make babies. And, um, I just, I, I, I don't know, it was such an odd and unexpected thing to process. Luckily my partner was like, we'll just get dogs and we'll travel more, you know? Don't worry, you know, I still, I love you for you, not for your your uterus. (laughs) Can I point something out to you? I wonder if this has ever been said. Um, Do you ever see that your mothering or nurturing comes out in your music? I hadn't really seen that. I mean, I, I think some people have pointed that out to me that that the music is caring and it is sort of when I when I've questioned the point of it all, mm-hmm. some people have said you are you're taking care of people, you're helping people. It's a gift, you know, for people. So I I appreciate that. And there are times when I question it, you know. So I, it's nice to be reminded of that. Thank you. I think that also speaks to being the child of an alcoholic you grow up in this murky situation that you don't have the words or the certainty to point your finger at, maybe in some situations more than others, but when you finally like have the vocabulary and the ability, other things in life become clearer and you're able to name things. Naming is huge, yeah, it changes a lot. You're listening to The Mezzanine. I'm talking with singer-songwriter Lyra Lynn. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about how anthropology fits into Lyra Lynn's life, and we'll make a big discovery right in the middle of the conversation. Stay with us. This is Eric, tuning in. Quiet on the set. This is Eric. You can find me behind the espresso machine at Session Cafe inside Citizen Vinyl. One of my favorite coffees lately to make is a counterculture classic, Finca El Puente from Honduras. Come on by and give it a try. My favorite movie is Inside Lewin Davis. Meantime, back to the show. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) You're listening to The Mezzanine. I'm talking with singer-songwriter Lara Lynn about the stories behind her music. Speaking of drinking, I wanted to talk about college. Kidding, bad joke. Oh no, I, I went to school at the University of Georgia. There was a lot right. of drinking going on there. Party Town, also a great town for music. And you said as soon as you graduated, you ran back toward the guitar. <laughs> I did, yeah. But what caught my eye is you majored in anthropology. What in particular interested you the most about anthropology? Was it a certain culture or practice or you know what, what kept your interest? I don't know. Um, if there was one specific thing, I can remember being a kid and I had an amazing teacher in fifth grade named Mr. Ken Allman. This is in Norcross, Georgia, at Norcross Elementary. He was such a thoughtful educator. He went so far above and beyond the call of duty as just a regular mm-hmm. elementary school teacher. But um, he, being a black man, I think he felt that it was important to expose kids to all kinds of cultures. And so we would spend weeks studying different things. Like we spent a week doing Motown and like we pushed the textbooks aside and moved the desks out of the middle of the room. And he had 
you know, assigned specific bands and artists to different groups in the class. And it was your job to learn a song and perform it for the class. Mm -hmm. And he also took us to um, a Native American festival. And I, I think that's where I really started to just gain curiosity for different cultures. And I craved just being immersed in different cultures. Um, I've always enjoyed writing. So when I got to college, um, I thought, well, anthropology is actually really interesting, and it, it's a great way to also have a, a, an outlet for writing. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was such an inspiring major. The professors in the anthropology department at UGA are, are in it. Like Peter Brocious? Yes. Do you know him? <laughs> I reached out to him for this interview because I know he gave a lecture that was really important to you. Do you want to talk about that? Oh, my gosh. All of his lectures were important to me, but um, he, he cried in one lecture because he had spent a lot of time with a certain Native group and had a really close friend in the group that that died and he was telling us a story about his research there and I could tell that he he was invested in such a spiritual way with the people that he was studying and um wow what an amazing man he is he has a great mustache too I have oh. to say I've got a picture of him right here oh yeah say. that's the mustache of all mustaches yeah. so cheers to Peter I wanted to talk about anthropology. It's something that interests me as well. I think there is crossover with, with, with journalism because you're constantly learning about people and different ways of living and empathizing, like try, like separating your worldview or your lived experience and try to understand others. Trying to be as unbiased as you can, mm -hmm. yeah. And something that I took away from my anthropology classes was this across-continent, across-cultural culture desire within us to have rituals, whether sacred or secular, shared experiences that connect, that help us process and find meaning. For you, what kind of rituals do that for you, ground you, help you move? Well, before I became a mother, before I had a toddler in my life, I had several rituals that would help ground me. And um, at this point, I have not yet found the balance. I'm struggling right now to do that, especially juggling my career. So you are a mother. I am a mother. Oh, okay, backpedal, whoa. <laughs> Your face on it. The impossible made possible, was that before then? What happened, whoa, whoa. Yeah, um, yeah, so well, we gave, I gave up on the idea and um, I started to see an acupuncturist to help no help cope way. with my symptoms of menopause because it's brutal. Mm -hmm. Hate to tell you, ladies, if you're not there yet, it's a cruel joke. <laughs> you go through all of this other pain and suffering thinking that it's going to be just like sunshine and rainbows. And Anyway, um, <laughs> you'll find out soon enough. You went to an acupuncturist. I went to an acupuncturist to, um, to cope with my symptoms, hot flashes and anxiety, et cetera. And... We stopped trying to prevent pregnancy um, because didn't think it was possible anyway. And a couple years later, surprise! Whoa. <laughs> did you have to grieve again? <laughs> like, how did... What? <laughs> I was so shocked. I mean, my partner was thrilled. And he was like, this is amazing. Like, 
I'm so excited, aren't you? And I had just finished a record. I had just finished on my own. And I had just gotten new management. And we were, you know, starting the whole cycle again. And to, you know, refer to what you said earlier about your work is your child. Like, that every record is, is a child of mine, you know? And, like, I was ready to mother that. And, like... I'm pre- oh my God, I'm pregnant. Oh my God. And the other thing was, how do I tell all the men in the industry mm. that I am pregnant? Does that make me less viable as an artist? A burden. Did you see yourself as like, oh gosh, they're going to... Well, I mean, the reality is you have to take some time off. Mm-hmm. You just do. Um, and then the other reality is that pregnant women are um, less appealing for entertainers. Although I do think that's changing. Beyonce yeah. freaking showed Beyonce us Beyonce inspired me hugely when she performed Pregnant with Twins. Wow. Um, but I'm seeing more and more, you know, celebrities like fully exposing their pregnancy in the most beautiful way. And I think that's wonderful. But I was very, very worried about the whole thing, you know, um, how it was going to play out with my career and then the pandemic happened Mm. which um obviously was horrible but the timing was was really lucky for me (laughs) yeah okay so child child he she name she he sorry leo (laughs) he is 19 months old oh my goodness (laughs) and so what led us here was a question about rituals yes Yes, and how I am trying to find those again. But my rituals before involved a lot of journaling, some yoga and meditation. You know, it sounds so cliche, but those things work. There's a reason that they're so popular. Deep breathing and just stillness and a lot of reflecting through writing. And I've found that there's a very strong connection to memory and emotion through the physical act of writing. Hmm. Um, so I would, you know, just pen and paper, old school. Right there with you, sister. I have to do that, too. <laughs> so now with Leo in your life, um, do you find yourself loving and speaking to him in a way that, you know, it, were, it was the things that you needed when you were little? Oh, gosh. I wish I could just say, yeah, mm-hmm. but... Um, there's if there's anything that will show you what work you need to do it's having a child they push you to the very edge of your patience and sanity and um I gosh I just I love him so much and I want to be the best example that I can be for him and um I know that I will always fall short of being perfect um nobody's perfect but um, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the opportunity. I'm grateful for having his lens to to see myself through, and it's only going to make me a better person. And I just hope that for his sake, that it makes me a better person really fast. <laughs> well, Lara Lynn, thank you so so much for being with us and sharing your heart and mind. Yay! Thank you. Thank you. 
The Mezzanine is a production of Citizen Studios, located at Citizen Vinyl in Asheville, North Carolina. The theme music was composed and produced by Gar Ragland. This episode was engineered by Gar as well. Eric Piper is our graphic designer. Kirsten Clower manages our website. Special thanks for this episode goes out to Lara Lynn and J.W. Johnson. And I'm your host, Cass Harrington. Take it easy. Thank you.